Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? It's great to see you all. Thank you for coming to church this morning. Thank you for joining us online today. Uh, we are continuing our series, Jesus the Disciple Maker, as our air drummers told us there on the video, which I appreciate the air drums. Um, just a reminder, as I mentioned, uh, first thing, how about our city youth revival last week? So much fun. Uh, Michael and Ruth are doing a great job leading our youth ministry, our next gen, and it's just so exciting to be able to have our students lead us in worship. Can I get an amen for that? Just a, such a great time, great part of our church. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, um, one of the organizations that we partner with financially on a monthly basis, Samaritan's Purse, responds um, to natural disasters in and around the globe, different places like that. And I mentioned Pakistan a couple weeks ago. But then also, since I've been speaking, so many different things have happened on the east coast of Canada and then in Florida. I just wanted to let you know that Samaritan's Purse has responded. Um, So even though you haven't been able to fly to the east coast of Canada, most likely, or down to Florida, uh, because of your generosity, because you were giving here at City Church, you are there um, providing very practical needs and help to people who have gone through these disaster storms, and they're, they're having those needs met in Jesus' name. So that's exciting for us as a church to be a part of that. And then something else that's coming up um, in a couple of weeks, we, um, one of our core values as a church is the big C church is our family. We don't see ourselves in competition with other churches. We see them as our family. And one of the things that we like to do as a church, uh, just because of how we're positioned and how God has blessed us, we are able to be a blessing to other churches. So we're gonna be hosting an event on Monday, October the 17th, just to bless a bunch of church leaders, a bunch of staff teams, and there's an opportunity for you to serve. Now, I know you probably have some personal days still available and all of your doctor's appointments are taken care of this year. So if you're looking to take an extra day off work, we would love to have you part of that team on Monday, October 17th. And you don't have to necessarily serve the whole day if you wanted to serve in the morning or maybe the afternoon. Uh, whatever hours you, you would like to take as a part of that day to serve some other churches, some of our other Body of Christ family members. Uh, you can sign up for that at the Invo desk. Let them know that you want to be part of the Dream Team uh, for the ARC Gather event, and uh, we would love to have you on Monday, October 17th. All right. Let's jump back into our series and to remind you, uh, as we are talking about discipleship this fall, that we, as disciples and learners and growers, that we want God to change us. We were just singing there about that the Holy Spirit would come in and change our lives. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that we are not stagnant in our faith, that we are not stagnant as individuals. We're not just waiting for the return of Jesus. We're not just waiting uh, to die, that we're not just into following Jesus for hell avoidance, although that's a good thing, that from now until the day we die and, and from now until when Jesus comes, that God wants us to be growing individuals. That's what it means to be a disciple. So this whole fall, we're just focusing on the areas of our lives where we need to change, where we need to grow up, where we need to think differently. Does that, has anyone identified any of the areas of your life where you need to grow? So the rest of you are perfectly evolved individuals, I'm assuming. Man, all of us need to change and grow, and we need to grow up, and there's some things, regardless of the type of home that you grew up in, if you had really great 
well-adjusted parents. Thank God for that situation. But there are some things that from our past, from our upbringing, from our lives, from our experiences that we just need to change. We can't stay the same. And, and your spouse, if you're married, will tell you that that's true. And your closest friends, they might not tell you to your face, but they whisper to each other, man, they really need to change that. And so what's really good for us to be aware of those things, um, where the areas that we need to change because God wants us to change. So we're setting our targets this fall that we wanna reach people who don't have a relationship with God. We're, we're here um, to help people know who Jesus is. But then when someone is introduced into a relationship with Jesus, that individual and then all of us should be growing. We shouldn't be staying the same. And we see that here from the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 19 says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So this is the call for the church. Not people just to be Christians in name only. And in fact, that people who will follow Christ weren't called Christians for a really long time. Jesus said that we should be making disciples. So we as disciples, followers of Jesus, should be making other disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're gonna be having a, a water baptism service in November. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you have never been water baptized, you'll have an opportunity to do that. And then it continues here in verse 20. It says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So teaching, there is an element of being a follower of Jesus, again, that we would be learning something. And not just learning any old thing, that we would be learning the sayings of Jesus. What did Jesus teach us about being human? That the designer, the giver of life knows how we should live our lives. And that's how we need to see the teachings of Jesus. That Jesus wasn't just coming to make us religious individuals. He came, the scripture says, that we would have abundant life. In other words, we would know and understand what it means to actually live life as it was designed by God. And that is what the teachings of Jesus are all about. He says, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So we have opportunities for you this fall to grow. And again, they're only opportunities. They're not guarantees. They will be only opportunities if you would take these opportunities, if you engage and if you involve yourself, we're going to have worship times. Like we have a worship and prayer uh, uh, time tonight at 6 p.m. We just had worship. And those are times that will help us to grow and understand who God is. We're going to have preaching times like we do right now and what we're having with city school. We're going to have times for you to be in relationships, which we're going to be focusing on today as we launch groups today and next week getting you in a smaller environment so that you can have a relationship with someone else in the church because this is what God has called us to do and I'm gonna talk about that all day this morning. And then opportunities for you to serve, to serve each other, to show up at church and to put your gifts to work. You have been given gifts by God and these gifts that we have been given should be put into use in the context of the family of God. We're gonna have opportunities to serve the city just in very practical ways to go out and just to do things in our community to be a blessing, not because of what other people believe, but because of what we believe and what Jesus has called us to do. And then we'll have opportunities every Sunday, every week to be generous because God has been generous with us that we can give back to him. So all of those things that we can do so that we can grow this fall. Some, some characteristics of discipleship as we've been discussing as a disciple needs to be disciplined. So what we should be looking as we're going through these messages, seeing the words of Jesus, what are some areas that I can pick up 
some discipline in my life so that I can have some really good healthy habits so that I can move to the image of Jesus. Does everybody like discipline? All godly growth is a move toward health, spiritual health, mental health, physical health. The more we move into the image of Jesus, there's a moment where we say yes to Jesus and we are saved and we are transformed on the inside. But the rest of our lives, we are supposed to be sanctified. That means set apart. That means moved into the image of Christ. And this is what God has called us all to do. We read about this, Romans 8, that we are predestined to move to the image of Christ. So that we change and that we would grow. So all of that is a move toward health. And a move to the image of Christ is a move to the exceptional. That Jesus, the ultimate human being, God in the flesh, showed up that we in our lives should not be chasing mediocrity. We shouldn't be chasing, well, I guess that's good enough. I guess my relationship is good enough or I'm just good enough at my career. No, as we move to the image of Christ, that we will move to the exceptional. We're not just looking for more biblical information that we should, as we look to the scripture, we should be looking to be transformed, changed in to the image of Christ. So we would need to see Jesus as our savior, yes, but then also our teacher. Jesus was a rabbi in the context of Jewish culture and the disciples, the apostles, that's what they saw Jesus as, that, hey, I'm gonna learn from you, Jesus. I want, I want to know what your teaching is. I wanna know how you interpret God, how you unfold the scriptures to us. And they would follow closely the teachings of Jesus that he was their leader. He was their trainer. He was their mentor. Do we see Jesus as that? Because he called us to follow his teaching. Some of the scriptures that we've read so so far and the, the messages are available on our website, that we are formed by God in the context of family, that he has revealed himself as father. And so it's such an important thing to think about that in the context of the family of God, we are called the children of God. And in that family motif, we are learning and growing. We're not strangers, but we are in the family of God. And because we're in the family of God, there are house rules, ways God has designed life to be. We get these from the word of God. And we talked about that in week two, just words of life from the father. Isaiah 64, verse eight says this, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So he is molding us and shaping us, or he wants to. Listen, all of us are being molded and shaped in some way by the things we look at, by the things we read, by the things we listen to. It is molding us and it's shaping us to think a certain way, to act a certain way, our backgrounds, our upbringing. But God wants to shape us. He is the potter, we are the clay. So the clay should not be stubborn and say, I know better. We should want to yield to the Father and say, God, what do you want to change in me? Psalm 1 verse 1 says this, blessed the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water 
that yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and in all he does, he prospers. And that word prosper just means to be successful, successful in life as we follow the ways of God and think about the ways of God. Not just the ways of the world, not just the ways of culture, but the ways of God. And we're doing all of this together here in the family of God, in the church. And the church is all about togetherness, about being together, about being a group, about being a family. Do you like the family of God? Sometimes. (laughs) Got to be honest, I've grown up in the church, 52 years old. Like I tell you, I've been in church 52 years, nine months. And I have a love, not so much like all of the time, relationship with the church. (laughs) It's hard to be with other people, right? Sometimes. (laughs) Can we be honest today? It's hard to be with people sometimes. But the people here in the family of God, here's the deal. We're going to spend eternity with them. It's a really long time. So look down your row a little bit. They're going to be spending eternity with these people. You're like, Pastor Brown, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure they're going to make it. (laughs) They are thinking the same thing about you. (laughs) This is people are hard. I'm hard to get along with sometimes. You're hard to get along with sometimes. But this whole following Jesus thing is a group effort. Jesus saved us, and then he called us to be part of the church. He's building the church. The church is this group. It's his family. It's this gathering. Jesus called disciples that they would be together with Jesus. When we think about how Jesus lived his life, he lived his life in a group. He would go off at times and pray, but then he would always come back to the group and the gathering, and he had an ever-expanding group of followers. We have the 12, and then at different times we see the 70, and we see all of these groups that would gather around Jesus to hear his teaching and to be healed and all these different things, experiencing Christ, and all of this happens together. Jesus would send out his disciples in pairs that they they wouldn't go out to do things all alone, that they would do things with other people. The writings that we see in the scripture, generally speaking, except for a few occasions, are written to churches, to groups, to gatherings. So the assumption is that Christians should be in a gathering, that we should be gathering together. This is what believers do, followers of Jesus. We gather together, and the commonality that we have is Jesus, the Savior, The one who died for us, but then he called us all to follow his teaching and he called us to be in this family context. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they were there together. There was a whole group in the upper room. They weren't just one person. Listen, and you need some friends who will pray for you and be there for you. And you need to be the type of individual that will pray for your friends and be there for your friends, even when they're difficult to get along with. And again, this is the call of community. This is the call of Christian community because a lot of times if we go through 
relationships. And has anyone ever been through a relationships and you're not friends with that person anymore? We all have some of those things in our past. But this, the family of God, the church, is actually supposed to be this different group. And that's why I would say, you know, there's a whole movement now, you know, criticizing the church and mad at the church. And there's this whole category, church hurt, that people have got hurt at church. And listen, and I, me too, okay? And if you do, <laughs> this is what I would say, if you haven't been hurt at church, you just haven't been here long enough yet. Because <laughs> there's just, everywhere there's people, there's hurt at your job. You've been hurt at your job. You've been hurt at school. All the places that you go, you've got hurt. But our expectation is in the family of God that the people who follow Jesus are supposed to be loving and forgiving, and then they don't act that way. And it's really hard for us sometimes. But we're still called into community. We're still called to be in relationship with each other, not be lone wolves out there on my own. We're supposed to be together, gathering together. Hebrews 10, verse 23 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And this is what we are. We are confessional Christians, confessing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. So those of us that name the name of Jesus, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be stirring each other up not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the day drawing near. So this is not a guilt trip from the pastor that you gotta come to church more, but this is something that we should be inspired by, the words of God, that one of the, one of the reasons we need to meet together is so that we can inspire each other and invest into each other what are we gonna do? We're gonna stir each other up to love and to good works. And this is not something that you could just do on your own. This is only gonna happen in the, in the context of the family of God. Stir each other up. In other words, change and grow. That you can meet somebody at church if you're married you can meet somebody at church who may be doing marriage better than you. They've been married longer. They've figured some stuff out and they can stir you up. And that can happen to all of the contexts of life, but that can only happen when we're together. And all relationships are risky. There's a risk involved. And the risk is they're gonna fall short you're gonna fall short. But we should go into all relationships with human beings knowing that they're human beings. They need a savior just like I need a savior. So they're not gonna be perfect. They're not gonna say everything right in the context of relationships, even at church. But this is still true, that we would gather together, we would stir each other up. See, Jesus gives us the markers of his disciples and listen, we want it to be something else, but this is what it is. John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now Jesus is here is talking about his followers. He's not talking about the world. He's not talking about unsaved people. So if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, you have an out for a short period of time. 
But for those of us that say we follow Jesus, this is our thing. That what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to love one another. Verse 35, and here's the thought from Jesus. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We can't do this alone. He's forcing us into community because he's saying, this is the marker of my disciples. This right here. We want it to be other stuff. We want it to be the doctrines we believe. And it's good to have good doctrine. We want it to believe, we want it to be the preachers that I like. If you listen to the preachers I like, I'll know for sure you're a disciple. Now, Jesus is like, hey, if you love each other, this is how people will know you're on my disciples. This group, this gathering sitting here today like this, and now all their places around the city and the province and the nation, the world, coming from all different backgrounds and places who think differently about a bunch of world issues, but what's brought us together is Jesus. And if we love each other, people will know that we follow Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying is the marker. This is how people will know that we could be this different group, that we just don't give up on other people, that we actually love each other when it's easy and when it's hard. Like marriage, like family. What about your family? Do you, do you have, is there any crazy people in your family that are hard to love? that when they say no to the Thanksgiving invitation, you're like, oh, praise God. (sighs) And if you're like, no, you're it in your family. We all got hard people in our family to get along with. That's what church is. There's, There's some hard people to get along with at church. But Jesus has brought us together. And the words of Jesus are the things that we live by. We're just not the the people who give up on other people. I'm done with you. You we're, We're the Jesus followers. And he said, the marker of my disciples is that we would love each other. 1 John 3, verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life. So a marker of our salvation because we love the brothers, that we've passed from death unto life, that we have said yes to Jesus. How are we gonna know we pass from death to life? Because we love our family here at the church. And I, when I'm saying at the church, I just don't mean the city church is the center of the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? The family of God. That we would love each other. See, and there's a whole big practice right now of believers calling out other believers online and social media and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is a really bad idea. This is not a good practice. Because Jesus is saying, and the scripture is telling us, how are we gonna know we pass from death to life because we're, we're loving each other? 
Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and do not know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brother. That if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and in talk, but in deed and in truth there would be activity involved with our love. Not just, not just us saying it, but there would be action with our words. Jesus' insight into the law. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Talking, they're asking him about the old covenant, the Hebrew Bible. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and some of us would just wish that he stopped there. <laughs> it's just about loving God. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And listen, you love yourself. This is how we're supposed to love other people. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. So what is, how is Jesus interpreting the Old Testament? What is he breaking it down to? It's loving God and it's loving people. And we cannot have one without the other. It's not just about the vertical. It's not just about you and God. Thank God for you and God. Thank God for salvation. Thank God that God pours his Holy Spirit out on the inside of you. But he does all of this for a reason, for a purpose. So that you can live on the horizontal well in relationship with other people. Ecclesiastes 4 9 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. Loneliness is not a good thing. Scripture says, right back in the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. But when he falls, he has no one, not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And that third cord in the relationship is you, somebody else, and then God. And that's what brings us together. And that's why we invite you into groups. And that's why we invite you into serving because these are things that you can do together with somebody else. And it's just us creating an environment for that. Serving is an, an environment for you to accomplish something with somebody else here at the church. Groups creates an environment where friendships can grow and flourish. And thank God for the groups that we have this year. We got so many groups, it's exciting. And you're kind of like, you know what? I just don't wanna sit around in a group and talk about my feelings. You don't have to. We have groups that are doing stuff, all right? And for those of you that want to sit around in a circle and talk about your feelings, we've got groups for that too. We've got groups for everybody. So you can take a look at that, what's available after the service. So within the context of relationships, as I've mentioned, and if you've been around church, you know this is true. Relationships bring strength. They help us. Thank God for our friends, but then also our relationships bring pain. 
and difficulty with humanity, our humanity, and other people's humanity. Luke 17, verse 3. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostle, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Because in other words, that's hard. It's easy just to be like friends with somebody. But then when we have to forgive them, this is where the real work of relationships starts. And all the married people said, amen. Amen. (laughs) Done so many weddings and last little while. And I, anytime I'm getting together with a young couple, I'm like, we talk about the, the ceremony and the service and all of the stuff we do. And I always say, a ceremony is not a marriage. This is nice. And we're all quoting, the saying the right things. But when the rubber meets the road in the context of marriage, it's hard because we're Humanity is running into humanity. Imperfect humanity is running into imperfect humanity. And we're like, oh, I got to learn to forgive. And the disciples like us, we would say, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to do this. How do we characterize love? See, love is all about giving. See, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. The disposition of love is generosity. Generosity of heart, generosity of spirit. John 15 verse 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So hear what Jesus is saying. The things that I'm saying to you, my disciples, by teaching, these are things that I've heard from God. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. These things... I commanded you so that you will love one another. Love one another. And here is the end, this phrase. Here is the end. Here is the purpose of your growth, your maturity, that you would love each other. It's not just that you can quote scriptures. I hope you can. We should memorize scripture and know what it is. But all of this is what Jesus is telling us for in the purpose of our maturity, growing up in God. It's not so we can pretend that we're more mature than other people. It's it's not gonna be coming from just the things that we say. It's gonna be coming from our actions. And these actions are gonna be sourced in the love of God. And this is the challenge for us as we grow up and as we mature in God. God wants us to get to this place 
where we're loving each other. And this is, this is not just a feeling. This is not just when I feel good. The type of love being characterized here is I'm laying my life down for somebody else. I'm giving to somebody expecting nothing in return. And parents, you know what this is like, right? Your, your whole existence until your child can be verbal and, and you train them to say thank you. But that whole first part of their lives, you're just laying yourself down. You're laying yourself down. You're just giving and you're giving and you're giving. And this is what love is like, the God kind of love. Not love as would be described. I just fell in love and then I fell out of love. Right? That's the cultural connotation. But here, I'm, I'm laying myself down for you. I'm giving to you, expecting nothing in return. And I'm, I'm gonna expect to have to forgive you at some point. And you should expect to have to forgive me at some point because I'm just a human being. And if we all go into these Christian relationships with our eyes wide open about that I'm in relationships with other, perfect, with, a, with other imperfect human beings, that I'm gonna have a chance to forgive somebody seven times and then another seven times. And it's not at the end of seven times. The point of seven times is like, forgiveness is the way of perfection in relationships. It's not when you hit eight, we're done. Because if that were true, everybody gets divorced like day 28. Our maturity in Christ has a purpose. Our discipleship has a purpose. Jesus, just parting thoughts here at the end of the gospel of John talking to Peter who had denied him three times. So he says something to him three times that he wants him to act upon. And I love this too, is just like, he's saying this to Peter who's really messed up, denied Christ. Are you, a, are you one of his disciples? And no, Peter denied Jesus. And we've all made mistakes. And we all number ourselves with the imperfect people of the church at large. But Jesus says this to Peter and then by extension, he's saying it to us. What does he say in John 21 verse 15? When they had finished breakfast, this is after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. You know that I love you. What do, you, what do you want me to do, Lord? I want you to feed my sheep. See, I am a, a pastor by designation and title, but here as a part of the church, we should all carry the pastoral spirit 
that we should be tending to the lambs, our children and our young people. And that we should be there for each other, that we should be thinking about my participation in the body of Christ, in the church family, that I'm not just coming here for me. And because if the Lord asks us the question, do you love me? Yes, I love you. I don't want to go to hell when I die. But then that's not what he's asking us. Well, here's, I need you to do something with that love that you have for me, God says. I want you to care for people, the difficult people, the people who sinned that I came to save, the people who aren't living for me. I, I want you to think about those people and, and the people in the context of the family of God. I want you to love those people, those difficult people that you're gonna spend eternity with. I want you to start practicing loving them now. See, the great shepherd is asking his followers to carry the spirit of the shepherd, to tend to, to care for, to help, to bless, to be a friend of God by being a blessing to his children. Let's just pray today. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your call. God, and we'd take this moment to see our purpose in the family of God and how you would want to shape us and how you would want to change our thinking and perhaps adjust our thinking about our place in the family of God, the purpose of it. That you want us to care for your family, your sons and daughters. that you have called them precious, that you have sacrificed yourself, that you have laid down your life for the family of God. So God, we pray that you help us to lay down our lives for others. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The good news, the gospel, is all about Jesus as we have discussed him today. Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross. And because he did all of those things, he provides a way for us to be in his family, to be called his children. See, we aren't perfectly moral individuals and we can't somehow go, go to a perfect holy God and say, God, look how good I am. Can I be in your family now? We can't create some sort of system religion of religion, a bunch of things that we do, and then say, God, look at all the good things that I do, and then offer that to God. No, God has come down to all of humanity. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. And because he sent his son, his son made a way for us to be called the children of God. And how do we do that? We just make Jesus our Lord take everything else, including ourselves, off of the throne of our lives and put Jesus there. Call him our Lord and our savior. Have this relationship with God that he calls all of us to. So if you're here this morning and you have never done that, I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. 
It's just a simple prayer. Everybody needs a starting place with God just to say yes to Jesus, to make him your Lord. Or if you're here today, you know, maybe you used to follow God and something happened and you met another Christian that hurt you. And sometimes we wander away from God because of those things. You know that God is not mad at you this morning. God invites you close to him again. So we're all gonna pray this prayer out loud today, church, praying with somebody who might be praying it for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I call you my Father. God, I purpose to turn from my own ways and follow yours. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.